Warning, warning. Two idiots are reading the SCP files over the intercoms. Please cover your ears and await further instructions. Hello, welcome back to Discovering Fucking SCP. <laughs> discovering Fucking SCP. This isn't your grandma's Discovering SCP. Yeah, get grandma out of here right now. Hey, grandma, fuck you. <laughs> I hate Warverston's originals. If you're over the age of 50, you instantly die if you listen to this episode. Um, it is true. It's my power. Anyway, we're not here to talk oh, about By the, the way, grandma. I just aged you up 49 years. <laughs> the, the six-month-old watching this. <laughs> smirking. Nah, I wouldn't. <laughs> God. Alright, uh, yeah, we're here. Tan has a plan. I do. What's your plan? My plan is, I said we were going to do this a couple of times, I indicated it would be in certain episodes, and then I forgot before the episode and did something else. We're going to read Apotheosis to Canon. No! Okay, I guess we don't have to. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a really long one, right? Uh, it's not that long. Okay. I mean, it's different articles, but you know. I'm going to believe you. Okay. You're free to do whatever you want. Give it to me. Give me the link. Here is the first one that we're going to be reading today. This is uh, SCP-3396, The Imperian Parasite by Cadaver Commander. The Imperian Parasite? That's right. Like E-M-P-Y-R-E-A-N? or Exactly. I-M- okay. So it's like a god parasite. Mm. I know let's what Imperian Let's get why into it. Quick, cool. <clears throat> so hold on. Let me check the author just to make sure this isn't you. Uh, okay, this cadaver. This guy. Right. This guy has trust issues. This guy's. Uh, guy. Can you blame me? I can. Your in- <laughs> trusting you is my decision. <laughs> Proving me wrong is your choice. <laughs> yeah, that's a great Patrick quote. I really <laughs> like that he said that. <laughs> I love a famous talented quote. Three, three, nine, six, level five, top secret. Containment class esoteric. Secondary class Tiamat. So Tiamat, I don't know if you've read this one, but this one's basically the foundation is actively like at war with, essentially. Oh, that's fun. Destruction class Amida. Risk class critical. So this is big what serious. Is okay. Let's so do it. Both are at max, though. <laughs> what does esoteric mean for It means not class? one of the normal ones. Okay. And then secondary class. It's like, it's like the current not... category of SCP. Exactly. Then secondary class narrows it down to which esoteric class. Ah. Uh... And because it's a team out, we don't have special containment procedures. We have strategic conduct protocols. Oh, that's fun. Due to the rate of physical and metaphysical communicability presented by the SCP, complete containment is not attainable at this time. Exclusion Zone 3396, where the SCP's central nexus is located, is currently contested by multiple organizations, including the Global Occult Coalition, the Serpent's Hand, and the United States Unusual Incidents Unit. And as such has been declared a neutral demilitarized zone by mutual agreements to prevent global warfare in a lifted veil scenario. Apprehension of all Dash-01 entities are considered an overriding priority to limit public exposure and prevent further contamination within the global populace. Each specimen capture must be contained in a Class 4 hazardous bioform containment cell, reinforced with an Atlas pattern antiformatetic runic array. I like how when you get far enough in SCP, it's just magic now. Yeah. It's just like, you must be casting spells at all times. Do not break the binding circle. (laughs) (laughs) In the events that 15% of Earth's population becomes infested, See documents Alabaster for specifications regarding personnel withdrawal, location of regional quarantine facilities, and subsequent alterations to Foundation Prime Directive. I just had an idea, by the way. What's your idea? For like a tale series. This might be stupid or already done. Um, But like, 
there, hey, we, there's been many times hey, where before SCPs... You, before you go into it, though, don't yeah. put your ideas down, man. Um, okay. there's, a, there's a spark this... of you in everyone, and I don't like to see you insult yourself. Okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, what I was saying is, um, there's, like, all these SCPs that mention, like, different dimensions or alternate realities, yada, yada, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. anchors. So, like, I love this but idea of, like, if there's ever anything that's, like, fucked up enough, the foundation just hops, Right? to another one and then they meet up with that foundation then they just keep meeting and keep hopping together and getting bigger until they're like basically a whole planet's population of foundation people could that happen um yeah there's no reason it could happen yeah and then like the, the anomaly gets to the final planet and they have their fucking like avengers endgame moment where it's like all the all the famous <laughs> like you can't contain me <laughs> it's just you alone says the you're Scarlet right King. But he can, and then, like, Tame 618 comes out, like, and he's like, I'm I hate anomalies, and then he eats them. He's like, humanity is wonderful. <laughs> Alternate reality 682 that loves humans and protects them. <laughs> that's, that's the reality they finally reached. That's the last one. Oh, my God. All right. Anyway, let's continue with the actual art. But I evolved to become weaker. <laughs> no! He's cursed. <laughs> Just like humans, I'm weak and fragile. But even I can fight. But I can. I but this is why I, this version of me appreciates the beauty. <laughs> Every time you hit him, he gets worse. Yeah, anyway. he doesn't stop trying. Even if he's the weakest anomaly, he's still fighting for everyone's sake. <laughs> he's like growing smaller. It's like get him, and then he crawls at his ear and explodes. <laughs> It's like, 682, stop, you've done enough. Your scales are falling off. <laughs> he's, like, got a black eye and, like, bruised cheeks. And yeah, he's, like, got like, his like, hands up. He, like, gives a thumbs up. up over his shoulder. He's like, so long as I have fists, I can keep punching. <laughs> <laughs> he's just the fucking guy from Tokyo Revengers. <laughs> I've not seen just, that. It's just so funny. Okay, fuck. Okay, what were we reading again? I like it's not even really 682 that, but just like a, a shitty superhero. <laughs> we just made him up. <laughs> yeah. It's Moomin Rider part Exactly, two. that's what I'm thinking of. Like, <laughs> yeah. Moomin Rider like, actively got worse as he fought. <laughs> Description. <laughs> um, so what do you think it is, by the way? <laughs> really uh, take well, it's called the Empyrean Parasite, so I imagine it's something that infects people and, like, lets gods manifest in their bodies and, like, Ooh. do shit. Because I know Empyrean has something to do with, like, the children of gods or, like, divinity, uh, vaguely, something like that. I don't remember the exact definition. Um, okay. So that's my guess. Let's find out, then. The SCP is a Category 4 extra-dimensional entity, which exists as a gestalt of physically and metaphysically mutagenic symbiotes that currently inhabit and affect approximately 6% of the global population. The SCP's central nexus is located approximately 75 kilo- kilometers southeast of Death Valley in the Mojave Desert. Patrolling Mojave makes you wish I'm for glad you're able to pronounce winter. Mojave. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly why I can Mojave. pronounce Mojave. <laughs> <laughs> the Moji of Desert. <laughs> The Moje of Desert. <laughs> Cursed mod. It just edits the dialogue. <laughs> it manifests visually as a massive, tentatively biological structure. Tentatively biological is a very nice phrase. I like that a lot. With both arboreal and insectile characteristics. 27 metres tall and 23 metres wide between the ends of its largest branches. Coloration of this primary metaphor is typically iridescent blue-green, though this has been shown to change. 
to the point of displaying different color patterns to different observers simultaneously. The central nexus releases a luminous blue-green fluid from an array of vents in its primary trunks and branches, which pools into a shallow reservoir at the SCP's base. I have a theory. I have yeah. a theory. This is like Yggdrasil if it was evil and infecting the Earth. Oh. That's my new theory. This is Yggdrasil if it was epic. <laughs> I would go into the Valhalla if this was the teacher. <laughs> I would... Even this is just like this is like oh, our memes are what's constantly meme. evolving. <laughs> yeah, it's just you need so much knowledge. Imagine this is your first DSCP episode. You're I don't think like, any DS- I don't think DSCP has been really helps with that meme to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but I just mean like imagine if you're like, oh, uh, my friend Darnell said he has a podcast, and you open this up. Yeah, imagine <laughs> if like you mentioned it to like. <laughs> no, imagine. Let's <laughs> keep going. <laughs> What? No, that's, Keep going. This Keep is like going. Um, you told me you did something. <laughs> you oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is so sad. Um, the SCP in its entirety. Is, well, uh, post in the comments what you think Darnell did. That's a password, by the way. Yeah. The it's SCP in its entirety is selectively tangible and fails to interact normally with physical objects or electromagnetic radiation. This has made conventional non-photogenic testing and examination impossible. So it exists only when it wants to, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, tan- it's selectively tangible. I like yeah. that as well. Physical exposure to the SCP or its secretion results in dramatic alterations to the physical and metaphysical properties of biological organisms. These effects are unpredictable and highly variable. There are a small number of commonalities in all cases. Biological organisms affected by the SCP, designated one, will develop additional organs and tissues of an unknown purpose, which metastasize rapidly for the body's cavities. These tissues are luminous and blue-green in coloration, and do not ara- interact with physical matter or energy as would be appropriate for a conventional substance, suggesting a primarily formaturgic or non-baryonic uh, composition. What, what the fuck what is the, non-baryonic? I don't know. I have no They're just clue. making shit up now. They're just freestyling. <laughs> but I don't believe on. that's this a word. This is a good beat. Why would non-baryonic not have... Of all the things to not have a footnote, I'm going to look this up. Tell me what, what it means. Non-baryonic... I'm Googling it. Uh, not being relating to or consisting of baryons. Oh, that was helpful. Okay. <laughs> What's a baryon? Uh, a baryon is a subatomic particle, such as a nucleon or hypron, that has a mass equal to or greater than that of a proton. Fascinating. The uh, SCP groups may be displayed superficially at random, but are always expressed internally. Organs, tumors, vessels, and skines of the SCP internal growth are proven impossible to surgically extract from a host's body, and to consistently fail to interact physically with surgical implements or techniques. Humans mutated by SCP infection typically dis- display significant alterations to their physiology as with any other affected organism, but rarely undergo psychological changes, apparently retaining their personality and memories while either preserving or in some cases amplifying the subject's mental faculties. This combined with the anomalous capabilities granted by the SCP infection render human dash one exceedingly dangerous. Got is that some examples now of the effects of SCP exposure and infection? Should we pop I'll, on I'll, I'll make your life easy. What I can do, right? Okay, what, what can you do? Is I can read the subjects and methods of exposure if you want to read the results. Sure. Smile. <laughs> if you want the hard part. No problem. <clears throat> so, subject one: Pagona Barbata, common bearded dragon specimen, male. Method of exposure. One drop of 3396 fluid administered to top of head. No, not top of head. 
<laughs> no, he needs that. Within three hours, subject has increased dramatically in size and mass. See SCP-682 now. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. Origin story. <laughs> to a length of 25 metres, an approximate weight of 5,000 kilograms. Jesus. Heavy boy. Big boy. Specimen displays significant structural alterations, including widened limbs, a mottled and porous surface texture, and a multitude of large dorsal vents, which continually release a mixture of spores and various toxic gases. Specimen becomes docile to the point of lethargy and does not react to physical examination. Skin samples yield genetic results extremely similar but not identical to a wide variety of fungal species, notably including Amanita bisphagora, destroying angel, Amanita phalloides, death cap, and Clavicaps purpurea, ergot. Fucking, is there a mushroom called destroying angel? That's badass. Yeah, dude, mushroom. So the thing about science is a lot, like a lot of the names are actually really cool because they're just like there was a while where scientists just mm-hmm. named shit after themselves, and then there was so many things that people just started naming them like things they like. Like I'm pretty sure there's like a germa animal somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Near the like, they, they, you, there's like so many things that people just name whatever they want. Uh, one Canis lupus familiaris no. dog specimen no, no, no. retriever male. Where, where, Injection where? with four cubic centimeters of three three nine six fluid. Why would you put more? That's so happens. much. Um, over the course of approximately two hours, subject loses its fur and develops irregular horn-like structures across its body. Vivisection reveals the presence of SCP organs and tissues throughout subject's body. Vivisection fails to terminate subject as any damage incurred by the procedure is rapidly regenerated. Subject's behavior is unaltered. Oh, he's still a cute puppy, then. Yeah, he, he fucking balls you with the horns. Okay, this is, this is how you know the Foundation's a bad person. One human female, 28. Or full of bad people, I mean, sorry. Uh, SCP-3396 fluid applied to skin of lower arm. Subject squin quickly absorbs fluid. No immediate physical changes. When asked if the subject noticed any change of mood or sensation, subject replied, I understand firepower. An extremely large variety of rotary cannon then appeared in the subject's hands, which he then used to fire upon Foundation personnel and breach containments. This is like fucking Dr. Manhattan. (laughs) When struck by return fire from responding Foundation security forces, subject's body fragmented, producing violent explosions which inflicted no damage upon the subject but caused significant destruction to testing installation and facilitated subject's escape. Specimen's body continues to fragment, explode, and regenerate upon receiving damage. The pieces levitate near the specimen's central body and transmuting into further instances of high-powered projectile weaponry. 37 casualties recorded, subsequent testing chambers reinforced. I kind of, I gotta be honest, I would love a comic where it's like, the, the power system is people who've been hit by this fluid and they all have fucking weird biological bullshit. There's actually a comic I think you might like uh, that I want to recommend you called, that has something similar. I'll send it to you later. Uh, but I kind of, I'm kind of fucking with this now. Now that I know what it does to people. Uh, one human male, forty-two. Subject instructed to inhale fumes produced by the liquid. No immediate apparent effects for approximately three hours. Four exact copies of subject appeared within testing chambers. All five then stated simultaneously, "Only fools like you would see the blessing of magic as a curse." The five entities joined hands, then corporately fused into one massive non-human organism with ten arms of varying sizes, a central mass of undifferentiated flesh, and dozens of levitating structures resembling disembodied hands, each with an eye fixed within the palm. A large volume of water manifested within the chamber and swirled energetically, obscuring the bioform from view. The fluid then fell to the chamber floor, subsequently determined to be non-anomalous seawater after examination. The whereabouts of this specimen are currently unknown. Oh, Jesus. Say bye. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. The director's like, no, they're going to have my neck for this. 
And 6% of the global population is infected with this, by the way. We all have superpowers. Yeah. No observable patterns of the changes caused by the SCP has been identified, and these alterations commonly result in anomalous properties and capabilities of considerable destructive power. These factors have resulted in numerous repeated Dash 1 containment breaches despite continual containment cell reinforcements. While physical examination of the SCP has proven impossible, formic scanning has yielded a single tangible result. Rather than providing their standard conceptual energy and formic potential readings, Foundation prototypic formic scanners invariably alter their method of data return to provide the word thrive in a random language upon each scan. The significance of this is unknown. No method of communication with the SCP is devised, nor has any method of removing its influence been discovered since far. Hmm, okay. State of engagement. It, that's, that's me, by the way. Um, when I talk, well, I wanna, That's what I want to say when I talk to my friends. I want to tell them to thrive. Smile. No, thank you. Thrive. I, you know what, Tan? Yeah. I hope you thrive as well. I understand firepower. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be one of those new things i quote and nobody will know what the fuck i'm talking about <laughs> state of engagement the scp was located by chance during an archaeological dig each member of the research group present became a dash one instance and each works completely over uncover the scp in a matter of days foundation assets were not notified in time to prevent these event infected from returning to major population centers and as a result scp influence spread unchecked Foundation containment efforts now center upon covertly locating and detaining all Dash 1 instances, as well as establishing control of the central site, which is actively disputed by a number of organizations and global powers. The advent of the SCP has begun to exert unprecedented changes on global society, despite Foundation anti-intelligence initiatives. <laughs> they must have been using those um, anti-intelligence initiatives on me when I was in high school. No. <laughs> oh. Hey, you're smart. Okay. Thrive. <laughs> <laughs> You're just smart in your own way, Smile. Damn. The wrong way. <laughs> the wrong way, though. Look, who needs to be smart anyway? Exactly. I can get by with my pretty face. <laughs> That's hey, good. <laughs> That's true. Tan, I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, do you mind if I pause the article to ask you something? Absolutely. Press pause, please. Can you spell restaurant? Of course I can. All right. Spell it without looking it up. R-E-S. T A U R A N T. You did it! Holy I, shit! I never doubted it. <laughs> nice! Well now played. Now you do it. Alright, R E S T A U R A N T. Wow, thrive! 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 It's like, thrive, girl. Thrive! So I'm getting from this and the apotheosis hub that it's all about like people or things becoming godlike Ooh. or like gaining an immense power, which is awesome. And I love it. Uh, but let's continue. We're almost at the end here. Dash one instances not under containment have utilized their newfound anomalous abilities for a variety of purposes thus far, including murder, nonviolent crime, mass eradication of certain diseases and public welfare initiatives. While the Foundation has maintained a semblance of control over global media and has thus far been able to limit public knowledge of the Dash 1 instances, SCP contamination continues. As a result, Dash 1 is extended beyond the bounds of the Foundation's influence. Multiple groups of interest, including Global Occult Coalition, Serpent's Hand, and others, have secured Dash 1 instances and begun utilizing them to their own ends while deliberately facilitating further infection among their ranks. In the event that the SCP escapes the bounds of Foundation control entirely and causes a projected TPK-class formaturgic proliferation scenario, Contingency Alabaster will take effect, and the Foundation will take necessary measures to ensure the safety of what humanity remains. 
I always want to hear what these grand plans are. You can't even contain this thing. How are you going to wipe all these guys? What's alabaster? What could it possibly... It's always something like blow up everything. <laughs> that sounds like what it's like. Uh... <laughs> fuck it. Bombs Earth's core. It's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> we didn't right, get... We, we, didn't, next? we didn't fail. We didn't fail. Fuck you. <laughs> what are we reading next? Yeah, that's it. Shape of a gun. Shape of a gun. Because I know that's one people want us to read forever. Can I popcorn over to you for a little bit, then? This is a long tale. Well, not the whole thing, obviously. Of course. Well, real quick, let me upvote the last one and give it a 13 out of 10. Did you like it? Oh, you liked it? I liked it a lot. I really like what it's setting up. I assume this is the first thing in the canon. Yeah, that's the sort of introduction. Okay. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Monica Pinkston hefted her 150-pound rotary fire grenade cannon over her shoulder inside, surveying the smoldering wreckage of the building in which she had been imprisoned less than an hour ago. Wait, I thought they killed her. No, she got away. Nice. Smoke rose from its roof as the fires burned. Alarms blared in the distance. My Aether ability lets me make giant cannons. <laughs> nice. From the top of the hill, Monica had a good vantage point on the valley below. She knew that she could shell the entire site right from where she stood and reduce it to so much vapor and ash. She knew that she could take great vengeance upon everyone inside, delivered through the barrels of a hundred guns. There was a small and dying part of her that wanted to. But the rest of her didn't want to. Her heart had too many charred and broken corpses clinging to it already. She let go of her gun, and it fell out of reality rather than to the ground. She turned her back on what remained of her prison and walked away. After half an hour of walking through rocky scree and dry trees, Monica realized that she was not in Manhattan. She admonished herself for not stealing a car on her way out, nor a helicopter. She sat down on the softest-looking rock she could find and sighed. She had no survival skills, no equipment, no food, and no transportation. She had no idea where she was. And worst of all, she was nowhere near as alone as she wanted to be. There was something inside her. And I see that it's in a different color. Yes, link to uh, the original article. Oh. Now that her heart had slowed and her freedom was won, her mind started to work in the absence of more pressing matters. The echoes of the last hour reverberated through her, turning her bones to syrup. She fought back the urge to puke. One hour ago, Monica had been named D-77777. This had made her somewhat noteworthy in the minuscule community to which she had become accustomed. Lucky sevens, they'd called her. That's also my lucky number, I was just going to say. Is that a natural... Really? Yeah, seven is a lucky number. I did not know that. <laughs> her natural tendency was to stay invisible, learned from a life of being hammered down like the lone nail whenever she stood out. Just like you. But a... Oh, <laughs> but a computer somewhere had elected to make her inescapably noticeable, with five black sevens embedded in the orange of her back like so many fish hooks. So people naturally assumed that she had to be interesting, that fate had selected her to be something special. So they gravitated to her like moons around a planet. Monica was critically aware of how inaccurate all this was. She was a normal girl from a shitty neighborhood, too clever to be satisfied with what she had, but not clever enough to know when to stop. A long-standing petty criminal with daddy issues, mommy issues, money issues, anger issues, and plenty more. Just another stupid, regrettable sob story among millions in modern America. A crater left over from some teenage catastrophe. But no. For some reason, you could talk to Lucky Sevens. Sevens was quiet and would listen. Sevens gave good advice. Sevens was a quick study and knew how to survive. Sevens had made it through trial after trial without getting her face torn off or her guts melted or her brain sucked out, and she could probably show you how to do it, too. Just stick with Sevens, and you'll be alright. 
Does this uh, paragraph have seven sentences? Let me count. My. Five. No, it only has six. Missed opportunity. Hack. <laughs> this had happened. Who wrote this, by the way? Canine uh, Cadaver. I almost called it Canine Cadaver. Jesus Christ. Cadaver Commander. This had happened. This is seven. Permission. You're the hack. <laughs> You're the seven sentences. What? Seven sentences. You hack. Four, five, six, seven. Oh, you were right. I forgot but no is a sentence. Uh, oh, no. This had happened. Don't thrive yeah. anymore. <laughs> What? You mustn't thrive. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm it's thriving like, it's so Don't thrive. Right it's like you have to stop. Stop thriving right now. <laughs> have you heard, by the way, about the game called Thrive? Uh, no. Tell me about it. Uh, so it's a game that will never be completed because it is so astronomically impossible to finish. Um, it's been in development for, like, I think over a decade, and it's still in the bacteria phase. But basically, the goal is it's a game where you can evolve from a bacteria to, like, whatever creature you want. Ah, um, like Spore. Like, like... Like Spore, but like actual biology rather than like the cartoony version. Like literally go through evolution. Uh, and it's pretty fucking nuts. Uh, it's definitely worth looking up when you have time. I don't think you'd like it. I've never, uh, I just remember reading a lot about it. and It was really cool. Uh, sorry, I got distracted by my... I love how your recommendation ends with I don't think you'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like... Because like... I had I had a moment the other day. Actually, I'll tell you about this off the podcast. Just remind me. Hold on. Post in the um, comments what you think his moment was. Uh, I had a moment. I'll tell you about it. And since then, I've tried to be careful with my recommendations. Uh, this had happened without her permission. But convincing the rest that she really was a shit piece waste of skin wouldn't have made it even better. So she kept her mouth shut and did her best. That's just like and me. Everyone thinks I have such good advice, but I'm just an ordinary writer. Looks like you guys. Can you give me a good piece of advice right now? Um... Thrive. <laughs> nice. Thrive, I'm glad you undid Don't Thrive. That's a lot of broader here. Thank you. It's like, I, 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 it's like I was fucking like maintaining it. I have to keep it at the proper level or else Freddy will come jump scare me. <laughs> they put that goo on her arm. Then everything was different all at once. Her body and mind collapsed. She was no longer her own self. She became a cup of her own soul being drunk by something very thirsty. And then it had pissed her back out. This had happened over the course of a few seconds. Nothing told her explicitly that she'd gained enormous power and that she needed to use that power to escape. The message didn't come in words. It was like smoke and iron filings in her blood. She felt things she had never learned the words for. She, The thing that was using her body like a cheap apartment had taken something from her. She knew it. She didn't know what, but it was gone. Something was gone. And in its place had been left an arsenal. That's interesting, because Berserk kind of has a similar thing. Have you ever read Berserk? I've uh, read the first like, part of it. So, I called you know, the eclipse and then I got sad. <laughs> okay, so you know the concept where it's like, um, in order to become an apostle, you have to sacrifice something that like is so meaningful that it opens a hole in your heart that it can fill with like bullshit and demon energy. Yeah, I, I've always really liked that. Where it's like to get something, you have to give or have something taken. But it's never worth um, it. <laughs> yeah, but it's always cool. Uh, it had taken all her frustration, all her hatred, her misery and doubt and blackened determination. Everything that she was as a human person and smelted it into a shape. The shape that had hammered her life to pieces and defended the shards again and again. The shape that represented what she was to the world. The shape of a gun. She had thousands now, millions, pistols, rifles, grenade launchers, howitzers, cruise missiles, and other things that the human animal had not yet been able to imagine. Great expanses of black powder, rivers of bullets, and endless fields of firearms now rested in a space just behind her own life, and she'd used them to escape. I really like the description it, here, like how, how they describe this me- the mesophysical aspects of it. 
It's so fucking cool. It goes hard. I can tell it's definitely inspired a little bit of some of the Aether stuff. And Wait, I love it. I've not read this. Really? No. <laughs> it really feels like that same vibe, though, where it's like, like using all these metaphors to sort of describe and like, I don't know how to put it into words. It really feels like what you were doing in the latest chapters. Have you really not read this before? Not, I, might, I might have read a bit of it, maybe, at some point, but I'm not... Well, I mean, I mean, I guess you just came to different conclusions of this type, but it, it, this was what I was thinking of. Like, I was like, this is kind of reminding me of Aetheros Priest a little bit. And they tried to stop her, uh, but every impact of their bullets upon her skin was just a hammer driving down on the blasting cap of her soul. Her rage detonated against their need to keep her still, and they died trying to make it so. Her body had become a divine bomb, a celestial land bomb. Oh, that's a good phrase. <laughs> that is a good one. She understood none of it. She just acted. She had had no time to see if anyone else could come with her. She'd become too dangerous to be near. And so she was alone, but for the thing that had nestled deep within the superfluous folded meat of her body. The thing that spoke without speaking. The thing that told her only to live as she needed. What Monica needed right now was a fucking cigarette. She padded for a second and found the few that she had managed to smuggle into the compound. All but one was broken. Can you imagine being addicted to, like, a drug and then the Foundation's like, no, you can't have it, but we're going to send you to die now? <laughs> that would piss me off. I would be pissed off, but probably about the, like, sending me to, like, interview the lizard. No, you can't smoke. It's bad for your health. Now ask the lizard how it's feeling today. But that mic only has so much gain. <laughs> <laughs> All but one was uh, but, uh, In the 680s, whenever I read, like, that mic only has so much going on. Imagine a guy with, like, a giant boom mic having to, like, go close <laughs> to him. <laughs> yeah! It gets longer with each new guy. It's All like a TV interview. <laughs> <laughs> All but one was broken, but for right now, one was enough. And then she realized that even with infinite firepower behind her eyes, she didn't have a fucking lighter. And then there was a blowtorch in her hand. She gave up. Apparently life was now literally what she made of it. She smoked on the rock and wondered whether she was going to die. Then she heard a sound. The warm sound of an engine getting closer. She figured that made sense. She had started with the element of surprise, but she hadn't killed everyone and hadn't destroyed everything. Now that they knew what to expect, they'd send their manhunters out with better equipment and a better plan. They probably had snipers in the trees zeroing in on her right now. Monica put her cigarette out and stood, walking forward into the clearing. She didn't care about being seen. Given what had already happened, she had no reason to expect that they were capable of killing her anymore. Even if they could, it didn't matter. Monica had made the decision to die shooting before, and she had no issue with making it again. A black vehicle, some kind of dune buggy. Fat tires, exposed metal skeleton. There was only one person in it. She held her fire, even after everything these people had put her through. Monica refused to shoot first. The man got out. He was tall and tan, military short hair, muscular. A paint-by-numbers cutout of every action movie protagonist ever, hull in black body armor. He smiled in a, in a way that made her want to hit him and held his hands up. Easy. I just want to talk. Yeah. Monica's right arm became an enormous mechanized bastardization larger than her own body. She aimed its iron fist at him, and a barrel on the wrist glowed red-orange. The air hummed and thickened with exhaust from the pipes jutting out of her shoulder. She replied, Okay, I want to vaporize your ass with this fucking laser. But I'll let you go first, jackboots. Talk. He kept his hands where they were. I'm not here to try to bring you back. <whistles> Monica whistled. Wow, that's pretty fucking smart, Heinrich, considering the situation and all. His smile faded. I understand why you'd want to kill me. I'd probably want to kill me too. 
Do you believe in second chances, Miss Pinkston? I'm here to tell you about the Avengers Initiative. (laughs) Fuck you. I think you do. I've read your file. I know about most of the shit you've been through. Where you've come from, who's hurt you, and who you've hurt. And I have a pretty good idea where you'd be if no one ever gave you another shot. She took a few steps forward and brought her titanic fist within inches of his forehead. She could see the sweat on his skin cast in the molten light from the laser's aperture. Telling me how much you know about my life is really bad for your health right now, you Nazi motherfucker. He swallowed, but kept his eyes on hers. Here's the deal. I'm only alive now because I've got the sense to stay on the winning side. I know what's going on out there. The Foundation is losing. I'm not a loser, and now neither are you. I have wheels, equipment, money, contacts, and information. You've been out of the system for years, Monica. Unless you want to make a monster out of yourself, you need my help. All you have to do is not shoot me. Monica looked into his eyes, blue and cold, and made a choice. Whew, popcorn. Queen of Spades, the Baroness of Old Vegas, watches a floating blob of black plasma dissolve a mailbox a few feet from her head. She rolled away from the growing, glittering slime and stood, directing the row of artillery cannons behind her to fire upon the scrawny dickhead at the end of the streets. The huge guns rattled the pavement and spat their shells down the block. A pseudopod of shiny black slime flicked up from the pool devouring the ground and swallowed them, erasing the explosive shots as though they had never existed. Monica said, Why does this little shithead have to show up every time we get the zone clear? It's like he has nothing better to do. Motherfucker needs a hobby. Jake said through her earpiece, it's me. We'd all prefer if you killed him, I think. I know Dozer is getting tired of repaving the roads. Monica dismissed the artillery cannons and summoned a battery of six surface-to-surface missile packs. She fired them all simultaneously, sending no less than 120 high-explosive missiles streaking towards the earth towards that irritating freak. Well, why don't you tell Dozer they can drag his fat ass out here and can try and earthbend this fuckhole into an early grave himself, huh? 119 of the missiles were swatled out of reality by writhing tentacles of black sludge, but one of them found its mark. The pale man wrapped himself in an orb of the dark dome and shielded himself in the fire, and the rest of the stuff began to retreat, leaving carved furrows in the ground where it had been. Jake replied, Got him, press the advantage. The queen was starting to sweat. She was reaching the mass limit. Enough was enough. No more evacuated district, no more scared families. This fucker had to die. Papa was going to miss him. The perfectly black sludge from its somehow distantly sparkling stars was almost pretty, if you ignored the fact that it effortlessly devoured everything it touched. The black orb at the end of the street gathered itself up and hurled more levitating globs at her. They travelled slowly, quietly obliterating traffic lights, lampposts, and fire hydrants as they advanced. Monica extended a hand towards the sky and moved nowhere, calling down her coup de grace. The showstopper. The air above the intruder wrenched in a way that was horrible to look at, and a thunderclap cracked the sidewalks as a colossal tower of churning metal appeared in the sky. Oh, is this an orbital cannon? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> It blocked out the sun, howling and smoking and torturing the air with its heat. The bottom end of the hovering citadel of dark iron glowed a ferocious white orange, dripping molten metal which fell a hundred feet and splashed upon the black top. The enormous machine was barely able to contain its own energy. So she let it out. A deafening hum rang through the city like the chime of a great bell as the column of space below the orbital cannon Yeah! Let's go! transformed into a line of orange light. It I punched. love Orbital Cannon so much. <laughs> it punched into the earth and obscured everything from view, blinding and terrible, vaporising everything in its path. Hot wind poured away from the laser and washed over Monica, searing her invisible flesh in a way that was tantamount to the orgasmic. This was destruction. This was the fire of the gods. Then it stopped. 
The light disappeared, and with it went the showstopper, the pale freak, and all his miserable, hungry slime, leaving only a smoking, molten shaft in the ground where he had been. Monica swayed, mumbled, I think I got him, and passed out. Dude, I'm fucking loving this so far. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm getting like, I'm worm loving. vibes a little bit as well. It does! It, that's what it feels like! It feels like worm. I love the pros so fucking much. Oh my god, it's fun too. I love it. <laughs> I want to read more of this guy's stuff, can we? Sure. Please? Hell yes. She awoke in stages. Her entire body felt like it had been punched by one big fist and her brain was full of rubber cement. There was someone near her, so she mumbled. What happens? Jake's smile was above her. Morning, your majesty. He pulled a showstopper on Void Boy. What name? <laughs> Not sure if he's able to teleport away before getting melted. Doe is mad at you. Apparently he punched for a buried sewer main. Monica's... I do like Do I like the names like Dozer and Sh- and Void Boy and shit. It does feel worm like it's their fucking cape names. <laughs> Monica sat up, blinking. Dozer can suck my dick. Jake laughed. I'll pass that along. How do you feel? She blinked some more and looked around. She was in the Oasis's treatment center in a private room. Dim lights, bad walls, no decorations. But the equipment worked, there was electricity, and she'd hired actual doctors that were willing to do their work in Old Vegas, despite the inherent danger. Like one big bruise, head hurts, can I have some water? Jake handed her a glass from a nearby counter and she drank greedily. She set the glass down and was silent, looking down at her hands. The large man frowned. Something wrong? Monica shook her head. No, not really. It's just strange. What? She smiled. A year ago, you were a psych security captain for the fucking Foundation, and I was your pri- one of your prisoners. Now I'm some sort of bullshit wizard mutant, de facto brute force mayor of Las Vegas, and you're running an entire town while keeping my dumbass alive. And we fight supervillains. You fight supervillains. I stay very far away from supervillains and give you occasional advice. She nodded absently and stretched. Speaking of which, did you learn anything useful yesterday about the, uh, the, the whatever? He made apologetic expression. Nah. Don't have to be a dead end. Guy only had level 2 security clearance when he left. I, I don't know what that means. Well, it's fire levels. The higher clearance, the more you're allowed to know. I was level 3 and I only ever got hints and heavily redacted reports. So a level 2 guy isn't going to know anything we don't already know. What do you do with him? After an apartment in the wreck, he looked at me like I was a giant spider and said he'd rather take his chances in the desert. I take it the I take it the foundation is gone now in this canon. <laughs> Monica scoffed. Some people just don't want help. I think some people don't want to live in the ruins of a city populated almost entirely by mutants and mutant sympathizers. The nerve. You've been up running water sometimes. We're really nice people. No, I'm I'm really nice people. You're a big meanie. Queen of Sp- AIDS gasps. <laughs> you take that back. Nope. Come on, let's get some food in your chab. I'd short for champion. They walked away together, one silently in love, the other glad to be alive. Uh, Popcorn. Monica had accepted the role of totalitarian ruler foisted upon her by the citizenry, but she staunchly refused many of the expected perks that went with it. She insisted on taking her meals in the Oasis cafeteria with everyone else and tried to eat with different people every time. The dining hall obeyed the same rules as any other communal mealtime location. There were cliques and segregation was common. There was no posted ordinance requiring mutants and non-mutants to stay separate, but they often did regardless. Human nature continued to assert itself. The queen stood at the end of the hall with her tray in hand and looked around. Jake had left her to attend to some business, and so she had to decide who she was going to eat with today. Near her was Dozer, 
or the burly bearded construction worker who had received the most fitting mutation she had ever heard of. He used his earth-moving power to dig out ruins, shift debris, and lay fresh pavement and concrete. Without him and his building crew, Old Vegas would have collapsed months ago. Why don't these guys just storm and get a whole bunch of the scoop if they want to protect Vegas? Question mark. Uh, He sat with his workers and laughed heartily at a joke someone told. He had egg in his beard, but no one told him because the maintenance men thought that kind of thing was hilarious. Another table further down was occupied by the Spookies, a small group of like-minded men and women with an array of strange mutations that made them stealthy or quick. Monica had made them her scouts and spies, and they did the job with quiet efficiency. One kept fading in and out of sight, having yet to learn to control her invisibility. Another was also hard to see. He kept himself wreathed in dense shadows to cope with his social anxiety. A third had a great number of multicolored eyes placed all through her face and twitched violent frequently, able to see through walls for miles in all directions. They engaged in hushed conversation, choosing to keep their secrets from all but their queen. Further along were the fighters, the few mutants with destructive powers rivaling Monica's own. There were maybe nine of them, and while they were decent enough people, most of the others were at least a little afraid of them. One had been mutated to be utterly enormous, over nine feet tall with cherry red skin and large tusks. He had taken the nickname Ogre, but was known to be a sweetheart despite his fearsome appearance. Another had thorns and leafy branches growing from her skin. She was perilously poisonous, and Monica had once seen her regenerate from being blown to pieces by an anti-tank rocket. She wore pads on every exposed inch of skin to avoid accidentally envenoming anyone. A third had glowing blue veins under his skin and was doing tricks for the other's amusement, making silverware dance in the air with electromagnetism. He was capable of producing terrifying amounts of electricity, and had once supplied power to the entire district when the generator bank had gone down. And one table, all the way at the end, was occupied by a loner. Norman. Norman's the heart, Osborne. We attack the heart. <laughs> I'm the goblin. Norman's mutations were among the most dramatic that Monica had ever seen. He was a confusing, borderline, terrifying mess. A disgusting amalgamation of flesh and exposed organs which levitated in the air, orbited by dozens of lazily floating disembodied hands, each with an eye in the palm. Oh, is this the 48-year-old or 42-year-old dude? Parts of him constantly warped in and out of visible space, appearing and reappearing. Multiple copies of himself as, uh, multiple copies of himself as he had locked looked before his mutation, also made occasional appearance, popping into space and then fading away. Echoes of his former self, which he used to sit at the table and take bites of his meal, while his huge main body hovered, ominous and frightening, over the table. Biblically accurate angel. (laughs) (laughs) Just looking at Norman for too long gave most people a headache. Their minds recoiled at his very existence. People left him alone, unsure of how to approach him, much less engage him in conversation. Some had tried, but found it hard to eat with an undifferentiated, pulsating mass of human flesh literally looming over their heads. He only ate in the cafeteria a few times a month, teleporting into the room suddenly and then warping away when his meal was finished. Monica had no idea where he went or where he stayed when he wasn't around. He'd only been coming to the Oasis for a few months. He and Monica had been imprisoned at the same site, and she remembered him as being a quiet, contemplative kind of guy before his transformation. And she supposed that still held true, but she really wasn't sure. She felt horribly for him, and made it a point as mayor to eat with him whenever he was around. She approached the table into the outer orbit of floating hands, some of which turned to look at her with their many-colored eyes. None touched her as she came closer. They simply disappeared before coming in contact. She placed her tray directly in front of one of his fuzzy, out-of-focus clones and sat, looked at its eyes. How are you today, Norm? There was a brief silence. The clones' vacant eyes looked at hers without looking into them, and Monica felt a strange pulse move through her body. Do you want to be Norman? Of course. I'm all right. 
The wind is rich and full of secrets today. I saw you fight the Void Thrower. Norman's voice, if it could be called that, was difficult on the ears. He spoke with many voices at once, and sometimes conveyed meaning by directly injecting images or sensations into others' minds when words weren't enough. It was a profoundly surreal and sometimes upsetting experience, but Monica had gotten used to it. She did her best to keep her composure and nodded, keeping her eyes on a tray to avoid looking at the dead-eyed clone in front of her. Its mouth didn't move when Norman spoke. Yeah? I'm not sure if he'll come back this time. I want the extra mile. You didn't kill him. I was nearby. I tried to hold him down when you fired your laser, but he escaped. He's very strong. This was unprecedented. Norman didn't make a habit of involving himself directly with life in Old Vegas, much less participate in the fighting. Do you know anything about him? Who he is? Where he came from? And more importantly, why he keeps trying to murder everyone? The clone disappeared abruptly, then reappeared on a right with its tray in tow. It continued eating. A second one also materialized at the far end of the table, apparently not doing anything. He has a strange mind, few cohesive thoughts, a great amount of darkness, hard to find information through the shadows and hatred. He appears to only want murder and destruction. I am not sure he is alone within himself. Monica raised an eyebrow and set around a mouthful of egg. Not alone? What do you mean? I mean that he might not be the only inhabitant of his body. I think his mutation opened some kind of gate and something came through. Something mean. But I don't know for sure. It's just a theory. I would have to get closer to dig deeper into him, and that would probably be bad for my health. Do you think he can be killed? I think I'd like to kill him, considering he keeps trying to kill us. I think you would need to have something to gum up the space around him, to stop him from warping away. I can do that, but not powerfully enough to hold him. I would need some help from someone else, but I don't know anyone with the same kind of magic. Monica nodded, frowning in thought. <laughs> Neither do I. You know, the more I hang with you, the more I like you, Norman. You're a nice guy, even if you are kind of terrifying. There was a sound of laughter, made echoing and awful by Norman's many voices, but he made up for it with an image of sunshine and happy, colorful flowers and a feeling of pleasant warmth, which he shoved directly into her mind without her permission. I'm an ugly bastard, but I prefer to think I make up for it with my glowing and handsome personality. A thought occurred to her as she ate. You can just totally look all through my brain, can't you, Norman? It wasn't a question. Yes. It's not something I do on purpose. Imagine walking through a museum and being told that if you think about looking at the beautiful paintings, you'll be punished. That doesn't really help with the creepiness. Heavy grey clouds gathered in her mind, and a sad, soft rain began to fall. There was the sound of distant crying and the fluttering of wings. I'm sorry, Monica. I can't help what I am. If it makes you feel better, your secrets are safe with me. If I had lips, they'd be sealed. She shook her head. No, Norman's fine. You're fine. You just take a little getting used to is all. You probably understand that way better than we do. The rain didn't stop. It's hard. I was given great gifts, but a lot of things were taken from me too. I would never go back to what I was, but sometimes I think I would give almost anything to. The words didn't come, but Monica knew what he meant. She had no choice but to know. You should come around more often, Norm. You don't have to stay away and be a stranger. You've got it worse than the rest of us, but we're all changed too. And we can empathize at least a little bit. You're valuable, not just as a tactical asset, but as a person. You don't have to be alone. You have a family right here. You just have to give us a chance. A spear of sunlight stabbed through the clouds in Monica's mind. There was the smell of fresh wind and the sound of proudly rustling trees. That makes me feel better. You are who you are for a reason, Monica, and so am I. 
but a good sinner of all people, you were given what you were given. I... Norman froze. Every part of him stopped abruptly. No pulsing, no drifting, no phasing. Perfect stillness. He was silent. Monica opened her mouth to ask him what was wrong, but he interrupted her. Lightning crashed in her head. Images of terror, agony, and chaos flickered across her vision uncontrollably. His voice was as loud as thunder, exploding through the minds of everyone in the oasis simultaneously. The cool blue glow that Norman gave became tortured and red. Soldiers. Hundreds. Entering the wreck district from the western gates. Guns. Armor. War machines. It is the foundation. They've come for us. Their commander intends to capture the citizens of Old Vegas and kill all who resist. We must defend. We must defend our home. Now. The cafeteria immediately began to swarm with activity. Voices cried out. There was confusion and growing panic. Norman spoke directly to her. I will provide a telepathic communications network. Instruct your defenders to think through me. I will access and reveal the mind of the enemy. But first I will banish the helicopters from my sky. Be strong, my queen. Lead us to victory. My sky, that's badass. (laughs) Norman disappeared, that is pretty cool. Monica slammed her fists on the table and stood. The room immediately fell silent to hear her words. All fighters report to battle stations. Team captains, use Norman to coordinate with your troops and muster all defenders at the western gate. Maintenance squadron, dig in 200 yards back from 55th Street and break the road. Stop those fucking tanks! Spookies, get out there and get eyes on the intruders. I want status reports every 10 fucking minutes. Combat squadron, get the fuck topside in into Fallon's formation. No more drills, people. Let's show these limp dick Nazi shit fucks why you can't fuck with old Vegas. The room exploded in a roar of defiance, loud enough to rattle the concrete and quake the hearts of the Foundation. The Foundation guy Mon- coming in is like, trolling the Mojave almost makes you wish for a nuclear winner. <laughs> do you want to do the last bit? Sure. <laughs> Imagine this, they I come in like so fallout much. NPCs. <laughs> <laughs> They're going, oh, under fire, and <laughs> they'll stop running around. I got heartaches by the number. Playing in the background. The foundation commander walks and the camera zooms in on him. He's like, so you're the queen of old Vegas, huh? <laughs> he like zooms in miles. <laughs> Monica stood at the end of 55th Street and watched as the foundation troops flowed in, taking attack formations. They held their fire. Behind her, she had summoned a thick hedgerow of artillery cannons, squared upon the soldiers in black. They outnumbered the old... The Vegas defenders, three to one. They stood in lines in thick armor and gas masks. Their tanks, heavy and armored, idled at the end of the block, unable to drop out Earth's wide cracks in the pavement put there by Doge and his engineers. The commander, a tall man with no mask, spoke aloud. Attention, mutants and mutant sympathizers. It is with a heavy heart that we come to you today. The Foundation cannot allow the inhuman infestation to continue to spread. For the benefit of all humanity, we ask that all mutants' presence lay down their arms and surrender, to be contained for their own safety and the safety of the world. I imagine I do not need to explain what will happen if you choose to resist. Please, for the good of us all, do the right thing and let this go. Oh, fuck this guy. Kill them all. (laughs) Get him. Get him, Queen of Spades. Let's go. The Queen of Spades, Mayor of Old Vegas, stood at the fore, her people behind her. Dozer, his body coated in a layer of shifting, flowing stone, cracked his huge fists together loudly. His engineers shouted, rattling the earth underneath their feet. Ogre roared and swung his enormous steel club into the ground, splintering the pavement. The mutant defenders behind his red bulk cried out with him. Norman hovered, eldritch and horrible, above them all, gazing down with his hundreds of eyes, feeding the queen the commander's innermost plans as he fought them, providing the defenders the profound unity of the older think with one mind. And Jake was just behind her, quiet and calculating, his assault rifle trained directly upon the Foundation commander's head. 
Monica cried out, letting Norman broadcast her words directly to the minds of the Foundation soldiers. Can you uh, do this bit? <laughs> sure. We will never submit to your tyranny. We are different, but we're still people, and we will die for the right to remain free. Come and bring your hate. Bring me your conquest. Push upon us, enemies of liberty, and know our defiance. We will turn you back. We are the free state of Vegas, and we will not be moved. The free men and women funded their pride, their yearning to live, their right to thrive, thrive, and stood upon their grounds. <laughs> and, I like that. And Monica let herself be wielded by the heart of her people. Her soul fortunes the shape of the tool they needed to defend their homes and lives from those that would take them. The shape of a gun. That turned very American there at the end. <laughs> with the moral. But I, I, I enjoyed that thoroughly. Cadaver Commander, fucking excellent. 13 out of 10. Well Love this. Uh, can we read... Uh, all right, I know we have a plan next week, but after that, can we read more of this? Because this is fucking awesome. Sure. I'm loving this so much. This might possibly be my new favorite canon. Uh, people have been telling us to read The Shape of a Gun, too. We might just have to read recommendations from now on, because this was good. <laughs> oh, my God. How much more is there? I want more. There's quite a bit more. Fuck yes. Yes, fries. Yes. So, uh, bad I'm news so right now. Um, our viewers have betrayed us, it looks like. What do you mean? <laughs> There's only four comments. Only four? Yeah. That, that makes me sad. Disloyalty. Uh, <laughs> alas. You know, it is what it is. Um, let me get One of you fuckers the- disliked as well. <laughs> Maybe maybe it's time for a new era of discovering SCP. Uh, yeah, maybe it's time to go. get some new fucking viewers. You <laughs> failed me. MT two K says, "Are you going to check out Moist Critical Role? I mean, Skill Check, the D and D campaign Charlie's doing." Also, if you did read the Apotheosis canon, how are you liking it so far? Because it's long, and I know you're not done. I did enjoy it. Though. He hated it. So why do you recommend um, that? <laughs> I fucking love it. First of all, I'm enjoying it thoroughly, and I can't wait to read more of it. Um, as for the most critical thing, no. I don't watch most things like Critical Role and all that because, like, D&D campaigns and sessions are so long, and they go on for so long that it's like you can't really consume them, I feel, if you play your own games. You just don't have time. Um, that's why the one I like is, like, an edited-down version where the episodes are only, like, an hour in podcast format. But, uh, no, I haven't followed Moist Critical or, or any of the other big ones. Uh, Dino Tail says, As someone who has no experience with D&D, this SCP was pretty enjoyable. Always wanted to try the game out, but never found the time. Wow, you guys are going to read Apotheosis. Awesome. I sure hope this actually happens and not a trick. Anomalous, if they actually read Apotheosis, give Tanhony a cheesecake. If they didn't, shut down his motherfuckers. <laughs> 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 it's a good thing you did. Uh, how's the cheesecake taste? Um, mm, 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 delicious. <laughs> have you even had cheesecake in your life before? Of course I have. Alright, I didn't know if they had that in England or if they just had, like, jellied eel meals. What's a, what's a British delicacy dessert? Uh, they freeze tea into, like, a jello format? No, that's sin. Smear it on the eels? That's evil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I've become obsessed with jellied eels. It's just like, know. where did you guys even you come have, up with I don't know. I've never seen a jellied eel, but you seem to love them. You were free. It's a British delicacy. It's your British blood coming back to haunt you. <laughs> Shythalia says, Dr. Michael quoting Professor X and X-Men. Days of future past in the scene where he talked to his younger self, I see. That classic that line. <laughs> I don't remember what he said. 
<laughs> Me neither. Uh, Gayhald Mill says, what's this? Darnell is the one giving an SCP article to... Uh, that says Donald, actually. Very nice. Oh, Darnell, my bad. Uh, to be fair, Tan told me to pick one at random, and I just noticed the name, and I was like, let's do this one. So, Very nice. But, yeah, it was, it was good. But this, oh my god, that was so good. Not only was it just good in general, but the, the fucking prose was nuts, dude. How how do people write like that? I want to write like that, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Can you write like that? If I, if I, if I could, I would. <laughs> oh. I think you, for what it's worth, you do you do an all right job. Thank you. I haven't seen an eyes widened in a while. That's how I know you're improving. Thank you so much. We've grown beyond the need for it. You can just assume that their eyes widened. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just the default now. I don't, I need to, I don't need to tell you anymore. I've trained you. Yeah. <laughs> so understand. Numerous reactions people can now have to surprise. <laughs> Alright, well thank you guys for watching as always. Sorry this one's a slight bit shorter, but... It's your uh, fault, really. Back with... How dare you? No, I'm sorry, it's yours. Oh, that's true. Yeah, if you guys uh, don't if you guys don't comment, Tan's gonna You cry. better leave some like, comments if you want to save the orphans. Yeah, how else are we supposed to hit the hour mark? Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Think about us. Come on, guys. We're, we're bringing a lot to the table here. You guys, maybe not so much. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have to provide at least one third of the episode. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. I, I, I'm willing to forgive just this once, but come on. Let's not, let's not, let's not joke around. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time. <laughs> free labor. <laughs> yes, free labor. T- tell the audience bye, Tan Hody.